Welcome back to the Sports Booth Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Husey. Visual video again yep. across the on the line because I'm in the great country that is called New Zealand, uh, number one country in the world, and Husey's stuck in Australia. So that is why we're doing it over <laughs> online and a bit video. So you may hear me and Husey cutting each other off because uh, yeah, I'm in the better country and he's just gonna have to wait for me to finish speaking. But Husey, how are you? It's been a while. Uh, weren't able to get one done early just with travel and stuff, but now we're here. Yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. You know, uh, it's. Uh, it's weird being back uh, virtual again. I've gotten so used to doing these in person. Um, yeah, no, good overall, except um, already a, a bad start to the NRL week for both of us, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes, never trust the Raiders. Um, but yes, on the on the podcast, as we normally, normally um, go over the rugby, as in rugby union, rugby league, and a bit of NFL, and we're touching a little bit on the Formula One that was just in Australia. Um, which was a fantastic event. But we kicked straight into it with the rugby. Um, we're going to look at the round eight results, uh, which were Highlanders beating Wine Pacifica, then Force beating, uh, losing to the Rebels, yep. Hurricanes losing to the Crusaders, Blues beating the Chiefs, Drura beating the Brumbies, and then the Hurricanes getting a bit of revenge against Moana Pacifica. Losing to the Brumbies. Oh, yes, Duda losing to the Brumbies. Apologies, yes, Duda losing to yeah. the Brumbies. Uh, and then Hurricanes, yeah. yes, beating Moana Pacifica. So I guess uh, an interesting round. There was the, the, the kind of the result, two results yeah. that stood out for me were the Force losing. That kind of really hampered their chance mm. of making the finals, I think. And then the Blues shutting yes. out the Chiefs as well as they did. So those were the two kind of main results I saw. But yeah, I think the Force losing was a big I one. think that was a big one. I think the Highlanders would argue that their win was the biggest one because it's their first of the year. So they'd be happy to, to get that. Um, Hurricanes and Crusaders was another close one as it always is between those two. Um, yeah, but the force losing to the Rebels, we were both very surprised by that. The Highlanders versus Moana Pacifica were a bit like, I think we both picked, uh, no, I picked the Highlanders. Did we both pick Pacifica there, or was I it picked, just me? I picked the yeah, I picked so Pacifica there. I was, I was a bit like, look, yeah, look, the they've done well so far, but I wasn't really surprised at the Highlanders one. Uh, like, they, they've just, they've been, they've come so close all throughout this year uh, that you know it had to, had to turn at some point. And 100%. if there was ever a game for it to turn, it was this one. Be the Force of the Rebels, one point difference between those two teams there but that one point could be as you said the difference between the force making the finals or not yeah i think i think uh moana pacific has just been a little bit unfortunate with the draw obviously out of their control with having to play so many games and midweek games and this and that um but i think we've probably got our bottom four now i just about say i don't think i see anyone from the force rebels Druda or moana pacifica and i think Funnily enough, Minor Pacifica probably have the best chance to, to move out out of any of those teams now that they've already played the New yeah. Zealand teams. So, yeah, I don't see... I think we've got our top eight, so your Waratahs, um, massive improvements in one year to go from, I know, bottom of uh, Trans-Tasman and Super Rugby AU all the way into a, a finals berth, yeah. it looks like, as long as they can uh, get over the line, I guess, this weekend uh, is, is a pretty big game. This, this is if, if, if Waratahs lose this one, it kind of keeps the force in it, um, but... I yeah. think if you if you can round it out and get a win here, you're in you're in good territory, mate. Which is is new for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is very very new. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've. But you know, it's 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 sort of what we said, uh, or what I've said from the start of this podcast is that if we come anywhere other than last, it's an improvement on last <laughs> year. And look, the fact that we've got a positive win loss record at the moment is pretty good. 
Um, our our losses have been to the two higher placed um, Australian teams. So we haven't been dropping games against the lower ranked teams. So it's everything that this team should be doing at this stage to to be improving and then to for for next year to be the the, the bigger year. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's positive positive signs for the Waratahs for for the future. Um, and yeah, if they could keep up that record and if they can uh, t- you know take care of business this weekend against the Force, then uh, I would say after that, that's sort of really accomplished the that and continuing to take care of business against the Rebels if we play them again. As long as we don't drop any games to the lower ranked teams, I think the Waratahs have come away from the season um, successful. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think I think you only have really Moana Pacifica to play that'll be ranked below you and the Highlanders. And even that, yeah, it's not a foregone conclusion that the Highlanders are going to beat yeah. the Waratahs. If you yeah. know what I mean, like just throughout this whole season, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how. This Trace Tasman, as much as we've kind of for the past few years haven't had, you know, have been doing Trace Tasman, we've had this Trace Tasman build up for so long. It feels like this is really good for the comp uh, if we get into next week. Yeah. So, yeah. But there has been a big point that has come out of a couple of the games, the Highlanders game, especially after Moana Pacifica, a man by the name of Justin Marshall, a New Zealand commentator. Not one of our best, I'll put it out there, but he is. Um, former All Black. Had a, had a right rural go at the Roland Moor. Now, mm. this is interesting to me because there's, there's three issues with this and and the facts of these three issues are, are... The reason why everyone doesn't like Justin Marshall, probably, is A, he was a Crusaders player. B, yeah, well, he's, yeah. he's biased to the Crusaders. And C, yeah. the biggest, I guess, proponents or the, the biggest people who get the most efficiency out of the rolling mall are the Crusaders. So after the Highlanders yeah. finally get their act together and get some rolling malls going against Moana Pacifica, he comes out and talks about how dull it is in rugby terms and for, for rugby. And A, to me, a little bit of me just goes, well, that's the dumbest thing in the world because we, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're a supporter of the Crusaders and that. you're using yeah. it as, as more as anyone else. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's a, you know, he's, he supports the Crusaders, so he's more in line with it than anyone else and I was just like well yeah maybe I'm gonna to have to stop stop using that the Crusaders name altogether until the end of the season because I really can't speak much of it after the Hurricanes lost to them but we'll put that on the back burner for now but I just I, I was like as much as again I'm a back I'm built from back lineage I have some issues with the rolling mall but to say it the way that he was saying it after how proficient, and you've got to think, there's the two, two teams who use it most proficiently are the Crusaders and the Brumbies, as far as I'm concerned, and they're the two mm. best defenders of it. So to be angry for a team to using something to their advantage, I was like, that's just utter outrage. And then my second mm. thing is, I don't disagree with him, which is what annoys me a little bit, because you should always disagree with Justin Marshall. There's not a thing you should agree with Justin Marshall, and other than he does enjoy beer, and I enjoy beer. That's about where it stops. That's me and Justin Marshall. So I go... The only thing I agree with him a little bit is I think they should have stopped done this a, a while ago with the rolling malls. The rolling malls are great, and I think they should still be part of the game. I think it should be a one stop and then out. So you've got the opportunity. You take it down, bang, you get one warning, and if you don't get going forward again, even I just want quicker warnings. Yeah. I, I don't know quite how to explain it. I kind of want yeah. – I like the way it is, but I think the warnings need to be quicker. As soon as you stop moving, then you bang, you've got to get going forward again or you're done um, because – my, my issue becomes when you get stopped, so the defense has done a really good job, they've stopped you, 
then mm. you get your one warning and then you start making a bit and then you stop for like you know a couple of seconds and then he's about to give the second warning and then you get going again and it's just this it's just very much deciding on what the ref calls as a as a break. So that's that's my thought with the rolling moors. I, I I do think they're a big part of the game. I don't think they should leave the game, but I think there's we could adjudicate yeah. it better, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. It it can definitely be frustrating at times, uh, not knowing uh, if it's been stopped, uh, when the ref's going to call it. So yeah, I think definitely increasing the pace of that uh, would be would be beneficial because there's definitely teams that ex- that exploit it. And exploit the how the refs call it. So, yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I mean, no game is perfect. No set of rules are perfect. So we should always be looking for uh, room for improvement, despite the whatever source it might come from. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and and I mean, I guess in the end, it's gonna be a detriment to any team who uses it well. And if there's if the Crusaders and the Brumbies are the two best teams mm. that are using it well, and they're the two best teams that have been around for a while then you'd think it'd be beneficial for the whole game that, okay, now they've got a score I've always. Um, so I just, I just to me, yeah. it was kind of like a, okay, you're being hypocritical here, but you've got a point. It's not, it's, it is, yeah. the whole idea of, 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 of all these rule changes recently has been to speed the game up, speed the game up, speed the game up, not as many reset mm. scrums. And I'm like, in a more situation, yes, you want it there and you can still attack it. You can still score off them all, but you've got to be, I think it's got to be, at every other point in the game, you have to be very critical and very, Bang, everything has to be perfect for you to score. And a mall, it feels like sometimes yep. it can just get a bit messy and you get lucky that someone slipped off here and this has happened here, whereas I want to see a bit more structure yeah. around it. So that was mm. that was my take on that. Um, and that's what it came... Even watching the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes do it well um, when they get a mall going. It's every single team uses it when they get the opportunity. I get it, but I just think we can we can touch up that, that part. Now, my second lead question mm. with rugby or super rugby is, is Artie Sevilla the best rugby player in the world at the moment. Now, I only say that as a Hurricane supporter. As many may know, I am a Hurricane supporter. And I watched a man just about single-handedly carry us to victory against the Crusaders. I don't think many many men could do that. And I've watched probably about three games. He just about did it against the Chiefs. He just about did it. He did do it against the Blues. Uh, he helped us. He was big time when we played the Highlanders. The game we lost to Moana Pacifica, he wasn't there in the first game of the season he played. And we still fought pretty hard against the Crusaders. I don't think there's someone who's more important to this team or their team than Artie Sevilla in the world right now, in the whole world. Even DuPont, even as much as I yeah. picked Will Jordan as player of the year, I still think I look at it and go, man, there was things he was doing. It was like he was playing an under-16s team. And I was like, this, he sh- that's the Crusaders he's doing this against. I'm, I'm a bit nervous when he comes up against the Rebels and Matt Phillip ends up on his ass about seven times because Artie Sevilla's just chosen yeah. to run over him. But I don't know, have you? I, I, I don't see quite a physical presence in the Australian game that I see as Artie Sevilla doing to New Zealand teams. Here. No, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I, I yeah, if, if Hooper had a fully healthy season, maybe he's still got. Uh, he's still not a hundred percent. Yeah, I think back in the day, uh, you could have made the case that about Israel Folau being more, uh, being as if not more important. But yeah, at the way Sevilla is playing at the moment, um, and mainly watching the Australian competition as I do more so than the New Zealand competition, I yeah, I don't see um, a player making that much of an impact. The, I guess for for me. Um, and I, I think this is more to do with the Waratahs than it is to do with the player, but, um, Parise for the Waratahs, he's 
had a big impact for them. But the, I think that's more the lack of other weapons in the Waratahs than it is necessarily how good uh, Parisi is. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I, I like that example. Look, you make a very good case. I like that example as well, because as great as, as Parisi has been this season, yeah, I think if you look at, and again, we're trying to compare a little bit of apple and oranges with Parisi and, and Artie Sevilla, but at moments yeah. when the Hurricanes have needed someone most, a quick tap where you run through mm. five guys or you're guaranteed to get bundled over the touch, you know, Parisi may not have done what Artie Sevilla would have been able to do. That's my thing. And, and, and he's had a great season again. I'm not apples and oranges as we're discussing. There's just moments here where I'm like, mm. God, if this guy isn't a million dollar all black, I don't know what it's like. Like as much as, you know, we're talking about this and I know there's, there's lots of rumor. I had Tom Banks getting yeah. a big offer, telling Alatupo maybe getting a big offer from overseas. If, if, if clubs all over the world aren't going, God damn, that's a, just about, I think he could potentially be a, a $2 million player. Um, per season and be one of the first to ever do that because I think in the next few years say he plays the World Cup and he decides he wants to go overseas there'll mm. be some teams that'll be like wow got to have got to have a piece yeah. of that so I'm interested to see where he goes but for now I'm enjoying him in the Hurricanes um, and enjoying watching him so hopefully he'll go get good again against the Highlanders and I don't jinx him too much um, but that was that was a, yeah. just a quick touch on rugby we're going to do a bit more around rugby coming up we have uh, we're going to do a bit of a fantasy draft type video around the Wallabies and All Black squad with me and Husey and uh, review one of my games uh, from the commentator himself, Mr. Husey, will be giving his opinion about how great, I guess not one of games, my highlights yeah. from last year playing for, for Husey's club. We'll call it Husey's club, not. Um, so yes, but with that, we'll move on to the NRL. Now, yeah. we've got the good, bad and ugly. We'll get onto that. There's one thing I just want to talk about quickly and I'm going to put my foot down. Okay, David Fafita. All right. Gold Coast Titans player. Bit of a beast, scored mm-hmm. one hell of a try against the Parramatta Eels. Now, there's been a lot of criticism of him this season, and I've had enough of it, all right? As a Titan supporter, I watched that game against the Eels, and everyone in our team, especially our forward pack, was outmanned except for David Fafita. I think he made about yeah. 30 tackles, he made 100 odd metres, and he had his one break where he scores a try. Now, David Fafita has those breaks, and that's... That's the issue everyone's like, why don't you do those breaks every time? I've watched the Titans very close to the season, as I do every season. Teams are shutting him down. They know exactly, boom, he catches the ball, there's about three defenders on him at the moment. Now, someone came out, I don't yeah. even know, some Fox reporter, and said he was the worst player in the team. And I just, I had to just laugh. I was like, this is a joke. As much as he is yeah. he is the highest paid forward, and I get that, that with that becomes responsibility that you're meant to be a match winner. But not there's there is not enough that he can do to turn this Titans into a match winners where the halves have to do it. And so I've just I've just yeah. sit here and I go, as a Titans supporter, my, my friend David Feed, I'm going to call him my friend because he is, uh, first name basis, me and David, all right? He is, I think he's playing a level above what he was playing last year, actually, for his work ethic, his skill set. He set up a brilliant try against, the, I think it was the Eels, with some great hands. I just sit there and I go, He's been unfairly judged here because of because of his price tag, because of his name. I'm like, at what point does do we judge him just as a rugby player and stop saying, okay, David Feeder this and David Feeder 1.3 million, rah rah rah. He's playing the best footy I think of his career, and I'm I'm, I'm excited to see as he progresses this season and we start to click with with our half parents because that's that's what is it's not letting us down I'd say as a half pairing, but it's it is we're yeah. very you know very light and very of experience in that house period. So I think once that starts to click, we'll see some more more improvement from him, but I do not think he's been bad. So that's, I just had to get that off my chest. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I look I just just quickly. I was talking about this with uh, with my uncle actually on the weekend because we went and watched the uh, went and watched Souths vs Dragons, oh, no. and then uh, came back home and watched a bit of the Eels versus the Titans game. And yeah, look, there, there's definitely a concerted effort in how teams are playing against Fafita, but also I do a little bit of it is it's either on him or on the game planning. Uh, because there's so many situations where he gets the ball where he is not in a position to be running at pace and shedding one or two tacklers, or he's getting it flat-footed because they've designed the time that they get the ball to him or wrong, or they've just chosen the wrong moment. Fafida needs to be hitting the ball at at speed. I'd say preferably as like a second receiver kind of thing. So... Uh, after the opposition is going sideways a little bit and they're not able to just run up straight one-on-one tackle them, they're going to try and take them from an angle. Like you saw how he just shed tacklers in that run because he took it out of dummy half and teams were, the, the players were sliding sideways to cover that gap. So I think there needs to be um, better game planning of how Fafita gets the ball, quite frankly. And I think that's where he will start to show a bit more of his his uh, old self because he can't... He's going to be getting that level of scrutiny for the rest of his c- career now. You know, early on, he had a lot of those breaks because he was sort of... He was still young. Uh, he was unproven. But now he is proven and you've got to be more creative in finding situations and ways to get him the ball. Uh, 100% agree. This It seems like at the moment, and, and as great as David Fever is with all at standstill and just creating something... If you look at a, a team who uses their back rowers really well in, in the Melbourne Storms, Kafusi and Bromitz mm. are constantly hitting lines. And it's probably something yeah. that no one's probably ever asked of David Fafita. He's probably just been, get the ball to him and he'll make something happen. So I think I think it'll come yeah. again. I think it's a long season. So I just think it's unfair, like you said. It, it may be his timing. It may be a little bit of, yeah, we're trying a few things out, trying to get the right, what's actually going to work. But I look and I go, Something's not 100% right, but it's not his... I don't, I never, I'm not blaming him. Yeah. I think his effort's been up there with his, as good as it's been since he's been at the Titans. So, again, that was, I just had to yeah. get that off my chest because when I see that he's our worst player, I'm just having a good laugh, and I'm like, that's not true. Um, but I'm going to go, what was good... Let's go into the, what was good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, so, good for, for last round, the Sharks absolutely disposing of the Titans. Um 30 to 6, uh, and so I've got actually the Tigers as the bad. Uh, but I'll finish with the Sharks... I don't think anyone could have quite predicted the Sharks would have come together so quickly. Like I know they're yeah. four and one, and their loss was a last-minute try against the Raiders. Like they are again, they've got a big game. when they didn't have their coach with them. Didn't have their coach with them. They've got a big game this week. I know they haven't played a a, a host of, of big teams and stuff like that, but I still look. I go, that was a that was a that was a, that, that's a good run. Four and one. I I didn't even expect them to be quite as I think slick as they are. As a new team, so that was that yeah. was my good. They're, they're they're stepping up and they're impressing everyone. My bad to Tigers. Oh and five, their feeder team. I don't know if you saw that as well. It was oh and five. It's the first ever time that anyone's got records since they started doing records of the feeder teams of oh seven. That the first and the second teams are oh and five to start the season. It's yeah. not pretty in Tiger Town. Let's be honest. Um, CEO's just mm-hmm. gone on a holiday for five weeks, so that's even better. Um, I think there is some promise. I love the naming of Jackson Hastings in seven. He was by far their best player before he got suspended. I like moving Luke Brooks out to six. Um, but I think, again, I don't quite know what's going to get this team over the line because it wasn't good. Again, it was another 
nonchalant performance from the Tigers where it's just like, where yeah. are they going? What are they doing? Who's 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 leading this team forward? But I think that was that was yeah. so that's my bad. And then the ugly, obviously, Marcelo Montoya. We had the Kyle Felt issue. Uh, it is it's an interesting issue. Everyone saying, oh, should he be banned? Shouldn't he be banned? I'm I'm as bad as the incident was. Obviously, using uh, derogatory terms to Kyle Felt uh, about the homosexual community. I think everything's played out all right. I don't think, as he said, he's a homophobe. It was a on the field action word, um, but you've got to be better than that as well to, to a point to me. And I think this yeah. is why it's deserved of the four weeks, and I, I think it's accepted of the four weeks. It would be imagine if you you know there's there's kind of a couple of scenarios I've looked at. Imagine if a white player said the n word to a black player on the ground. How many rounds do we think he would be out? Now this is an interesting topic because like as I was having a discussion with my mum about it. The the player on the ground isn't isn't actually gay, and so it's just he's not trying to pull it out because of his sexuality or anything like that. It's more just a heat of the moment where he needs to get out of his game. You don't say those things. Um, so it is interesting. Yep. Like if that player was gay, I think this would have a, a whole new meaning to it. Um, it's me the fact that he just used it as a derogatory term. I think is a little bit like you, you just need to be better, Montoya. It's just you know you can call someone a dickhead, you can call someone an idiot of effort, you know, whatever you want to call them. But when you start going down those terms, you're just asking for trouble. So I'm, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm kind of happy the way it's played out for the NRL. I think he deserved the suspension. It needed to happen just to go, this isn't a right in our game. We, we're yep. not going to take that. Um, but I don't think, again, four weeks, I think is all right. I was thinking he was going to get six or eight maybe, um, but I'm, I'm all right with four. Your thoughts on that, Husey, just as a... Yeah. Well. So, well, you know, with these kinds of things... Uh, you know, where it is behavior that is controversial, to put it lightly. Um, you definitely get a lot of public reaction about the the sentencing or the outcome. Um, you know, you only have to look at things like the Jack DeBellin case, uh, for example, or Tristan Saylor. Um, and I, there's been a surprising lack of uh, public reaction, I guess, to this in terms of a strong response so that to me says that the the nrls hit the hit the right spot for it just on what actually happened and everything around that um you know i've heard a variety of opinions on it um and you know it's just on the field language boys talk kind of thing it's it's like i you know as much as uh as much as i'm sure montoya wasn't uh implying that kyle felt was homosexual i think the fact is that uh he used that word in a derogatory manner now i had an interesting discussion um a couple of years ago with someone who didn't quite understand you know who, who was of the opinion and you hear this a lot that words are just words i don't really understand why people get so offended by them I and mean, you know things like uh the, the n-word or or other sort of derogatory terms uh, about people um and we're sort of comparing them to swear words and the, the way I sort of uh, got them to understand was a swear word is just a swear word. It's a, is some people get offended by it because it's a, a swearing thing. However, when you use a word uh, like the N word or the term um, Montoya used, and you're using it uh, in a harmful fashion, like he was throwing it as an insult to someone, you are then implying that something about a person is inherently negative. So with the N-word, it's the, the colour of their skin. 
with uh, what Montoya said. It's about their sexuality. Um, you know, there's also derogatory terms for all religions, races, creeds, things. So when you use that term as an insult, you are saying that that part of a person is is less than it is. It is so bad. It is an insult. So that's why people get so uh, offended offended by that. And so that's why that kind of behavior can't occur on the field, because as as much as uh, rugby league players don't want to be role models, they are role models. They're in the public eye. They're in this public sphere, and they've got to be um, setting an example. And that doesn't mean they need to be they need to be saints. These are young men, uh, full of testosterone, who I'm sure love to uh, you know have a few drinks go out and party and things like that. And no one will begrudge him that. But there is a line, and clearly Montoya crossed that line uh, for the reasons I outlined. And uh, I, I, I think that a punishment was definitely necessary. Uh, it, and it's one of these things, it's, it's hard to say what the appropriate punishment is, but that's why they have the judiciary. That's why they have the people to determine the decision. And it's not just one person, it's a panel of people. And uh, the, the sooner it's out of the game, the better. As you said, there's a lot of different things, different ways you can insult someone on the field that is acceptable. And that's part of the game, is getting under your opponent's skin, is making them act rashly. But there's a line, it was crossed, a punishment has been dealt, and then hopefully, you know, Montoya's probably going to ca- carry the stain of that for the rest of his career, um, on and off the field. I'm sure he, this is not the last that we've heard of it. But in terms of what occurs on the field and in the context of the NRL, this would probably be the once he served his suspension, that'll probably be, be the last that it impacts his on the field game. But I'm sure interview questions, people in the street, all over, it will impact his, his image there. So it's a, he'll have a longer term punishment than just this four weeks. Yeah, and I, and I think you said there was, there was a good point you made when you said like you know it's just boys talking, you know, rah rah rah. What what was really good about this getting it out, you know, and this happening, and even even. As much as you don't want stuff like this to happen, the, the the good thing that it brings to light is, in the lower grades, this probably gets said on the you know every second game, and it's never yeah. never seen as a big deal because you're never going to get in trouble with it because you know what there's no mics to pick you up on an, on a national stage yeah. like you said even though they may not want to be role models, it's it's a national stage so this will filter through the grounds. They've made the statement, yeah you can't do that if if this goes down to the next level then to the next level all the way down to to kids and then eventually it's ideally out of the game. So as much as it's probably, it has to be seen as a bad thing, it is, it is the way it's come up and everything, how it's been handled, I think it's a good thing to the sport in general to, yep. to show that, hey, this is, we're, we're, we're accepting, we can't have this in our game. So yeah, that was my ugly. Husey, hit us with your yep. good, bad, ugly for okay. round, round five. So my good, my good was the surprise of the round, I think, was the Manly Sea Eagles without Tom Travojevic. Just, absolutely giving it to the Newcastle Knights. It was close there for a bit, yeah. but the Knights just broke open. And Manly have actually won uh, three games straight now. Uh, so they're on a little bit of a roll here, the Sea Eagles. Um, I've picked them this week against your Titans, in fact. So I think Manly ha- are starting to, to come together um, after a bit of a slow start to the year, but that's typical for Manly. So I th- my good for the week was Manly without Tommy Trebojevic. Uh My... Uh, bad for the round was the NRLW 
Premiership. <laughs> the Roosters being the Dragons there. And the reason for that is the very well-recorded incident of a Roosters plane being down and a trainer in the middle of the ground and then someone taking a, one of the players taking a dummy half run using the trainer as a shield. And for me, and all the commentators I was listening to at the time, that's a clear obstruction. There's a, there's a player in the way kind of thing, but it was a water to try and sort of broke broke that game for the Roosters. So I think that's a bad look for uh, the NRL as a whole, not just the NRLW, but the NRL as a whole. And that needs to be, be looked at. And it's brought a focus in, uh, in, and I think this would be really cool is if something is brought into focus from an NRLW game that impacts the NRL. So that was my bad for it. I, overall though, it was a, it was a good game between um, two teams and uh, very proud of my dragons for making the, the finals there uh, of, of the ladies there. And, uh, Emma Tonagatu, I think, is how I pronounce her name. Joint Dallium medal winner yeah. with Millie Boyle. So that's really good stuff for um, the Dragons ladies comp. And there'll be another comp later this year, this year for the NRLW, yeah. which will be really exciting as well. My ugly for the round was the Bulldogs against um, uh, the Bulldogs against the Panthers. Now, no one expected them to, to win this game. Uh, no one expected them to be close. It was 32-12. And there were some moments in the game where you thought maybe the Bulldog could just get something going here. But then there's that very well, now well-documented Matt Dufty avoiding contact. <laughs> and I think that was just emblematic of the whole game of just the Bulldogs just didn't seem to want to be there. Now, the focus all week was on, oh, Kyle Flanagan's being thrown back into the fire. He's, you know, it's not fair on Kyle Flanagan. I think he actually did a pretty good yeah, job for the situation 100%. he was put in. But overall, I mean... The Bulldogs, we know, we knew they're not making the eight this year, right? But there's just something there amongst the players that just seems to be... They seem to be adverse to winning. I don't know. Or, or to, 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 to scoring something. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's just something there that is lacking um, that other teams have. Now, a quality hooker. We maybe. heard reports. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we, we heard reports during the off season as well that a lot of players from different systems were surprised by the lack of preparation put in by Trent Barrett. So it could be a coaching thing as well. Uh, maybe he's one of those coaches that is more of an emotional leader rather than a strategic leader. But as someone that was the attack coach for the Penrith Panthers, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. So. I don't know. Look, there's just something there. Maybe there needs to be something needs to change because they, there's just something wrong in Belmore. Yeah, well, watch them, watch out for them this week because I picked them to pick the Rabbitohs. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, we know how your tipping is. <laughs> I'm not actually as far away as I feel like. The only reason I'm not so far away, and thankfully, is because you have to pick the Dragons every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I've, I, I I agree with that. They were. There's parts of something there that you're just like, something isn't quite right. I think Reed Marnie is going to be massive for them. I still think, I don't know, as bad. Yeah. Matt Dufty's been good for the start of the season. He had an awful game. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Again, I think he's on a one-year contract. I I, I, I truly believe, I actually, this is what I reckon is going to happen with Matt Dufty. I think he's going to end up going to the Super League and winning a couple yeah. of Man of Steals and looking like the best player ever. Because there's no doubt he's got talent. It's just... Something just doesn't seem to be clicking at the NRL level. Where I think if he went over there, he would just absolutely tear up. Um, so I, I don't, I yeah. don't see. Yeah, he, he played, like me. there were a couple of games where he was absolutely the match winner for the Dragons. Yeah. There's a couple of games where he was absolutely the match loser as well. So, well, another ugly I'm going to chuck in there is the Dragons' defence. 
um, and also our attack. So overall, everything <laughs> to do with the Dragons last week against the against South. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot written about the Dragons recently, and I have to agree. And you did bring it up as well uh, in relation to the Bulldogs is quality hooking. You know, Damian Cook tore up the Dragons through the middle with runs out of dummy half. We've got Andrew McCulloch in there who tore his ACL completely a couple of years ago. He's not anyone's idea of an attacking weapon out of uh, dummy half, except if you're right on the goal line. I was I was walking around the, the stadium at uh, halftime of that game, getting myself uh, and my uncle, uh, you know, hot dog and a beer. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, and I saw standing uh, in the in the in the tunnels where you walk around. There's Jaden Sullivan and Tyrell Sloan there, just 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 hanging out because the team hadn't come back, hadn't quite gotten into the sheds yet. And I'm thinking these are two of our most exciting players, and they're not in the game. Sullivan, I, I understand, is coming back from injury, but he played some hooker for us last year, and he was an attacking weapon out of hooker. I think there's got to be a change made. It's going to happen at some point this year where McCulloch's going to get benched and Sullivan's in at hooker, or they move Hunt to hooker and put Sullivan in at seven. 100%. Now, I think Hunt's... That's what I was about to say. I think, I look, say, I, I think either of those options would be really good because Ben Hunt is our best player right now. And that's even with Lomax and Ravalawa on the field. They've both been having some mistakes recently. Ben Hunt's been the most consistent player and the most consistently good player. He... He's the same height as me, but he tackles like he's two meters tall. He is passing well. He's kicking well. He's doing everything right. The stuff around him is just what's going wrong. Jack Bird played decently well in six, but I think there's communication errors with him in that side of the defense that things are things are going wrong there. He's not certain of where he's supposed to be, but if he's going to be permanently at six, then you know, maybe he needs to learn that. But yeah, look, McCulloch, I think, is solid at hooker, but... It's solid is no longer enough. Yeah. Solid is no longer enough in the NRL. You need to be spectacular, and uh, they're just not getting that in the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I, Ben Hunt's the move I would make straight away. I want him touching the ball and having an effect on on the game as much as possible. So I'd put him mm. to nine. I would uh, look to yeah over Sullivan or um, Amon in there as well, back into your half pairing. Even if you chuck them by, if you want a, yeah. an experienced maybe player who's played a bit of footy, you can play seven. Get Sloan back into one. Yeah. Um. I just, yeah, I think that will give you a spark, a massive spark. And you don't need Hunt even, you know, you play him 60 minutes at nine and then move him back up to to seven for the last 20 or something like that. I mean, there'll be stuff that they can do. But I yeah. think you look at the good teams really right now and they've all got an, at least someone who can even spark something. I think all the way yeah. to one to, to 10, probably even 11, 12. You look at, you know, your McCulloch, your Turpin, you know, your Jacob Little, um, during Marshall King, as good as those four have kind of been, they are, you know, holding that team slightly back a little bit, I would say, um, yeah. from their attacking ability. It's just, there's no threat there, so the markers don't a- actually have to be that set. So it's it's one of those things, I think, a lot of teams. That's why I like, for Broncos, I think was working really well, was Billy Walters filling in when Turpin went off and, and, and probably playing about 30 minutes because he got a, an attacking spark. So if you're going to mm-hmm. have a hooker like you McCulloch, you need someone in there to to be an attacking spark and give them a break. So it just hasn't quite worked for your yep. Dragons yet, um, unfortunately. But they have played some pretty hard teams, so it's not all doom and gloom, Juicy. Yep. Uh, they should be hopefully back in the mix soon. However, I hope so. saying that, that's the NRL. We had a poor tip to start off, the yep. Raiders. I'm not getting off my love circle with them yeah. yet. Um, 
looking them dead in the eye and saying I still love them. I just think you should probably stop following what I do. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I, I listened to that logic this week. Even when I went back and reviewed my tips, I'm like, did I really pick the rate? Why did I pick the Raiders? And yeah, I don't know. Like they were, and then I thought, okay, look, you know, I've been rewarded for for my um, faith this week. <laughs> Halftime, they were up 12 nil. But then one of the commentators, I don't know who it was, but one of them said, as dominant as the Raiders have been 12 nothing, they won't be comfortable with that. They can still lose it from here. And what did they do? They lost it from there. Mate, and They were 12 nil up after 16 I'm minutes. Just after 16 minutes, they were 12 yeah. nil up. And then they just went to shit. They did. They started playing. The yeah. exact, Cowboys, anytime you play the Cowboys, they're going to make the game as messy yeah. as possible. That is the Cowboys' goal, I think. I reckon that's what Todd Payton's said for them to do. Because you see, the only game they've really been blowing out in is that Roosters game where they were outclassed. Other than yeah. that, they're not going to be outclassed. They're going to stay in the fight and just make it a dirty fight. So you've got to be outclassing them and getting them out of that contest as early as possible. Because if they hang around every single game this season, I think they're going to be a problem for teams. They're, they're just if you don't if you don't kick them down. These young guns are just—they're going to throw caution to the wind, and they'll just—they'll make it as me. Hey, we make an error. Guess what? We're going to make you make an error. That's just how they yeah. do it. It was, yeah, it was a, an interesting watch, I must say. But enough of the NRL this week. I told you something was wrong with the Raiders. I told I'm you not, there was something I, wrong with the Raiders. I love what Jack White said. He just said, looked his teammates in the eyes, down the camera, looked down the camera, and said to his teammates, "Be fucking better, because I'm playing bloody well." Pretty much. He didn't quite, yeah. obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he said something in the, the area and then I love Ricky Stewart got on the in the conference afterwards and he goes, oh, I didn't know Jack said that, but he's right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, here we go. All right. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some accountability now because some, some players just aren't playing yes. well enough. But let's move on to the NFL lost season. Now, obviously a very tragic event. Husey, I'm going to let you take the floor on mm. this one as he was a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, so Dwayne Haskins passed away uh, last week. Uh a complete shock to, to everyone. He was struck by a, a vehicle while walking down the highway. Now, the full details aren't out there, but I believe there was a problem with his vehicle, so he had to get out and was walking um, early morning and, and was struck and killed. And f- throughout, not only from the Steelers, um, but for all across the NFL, there's been uh, an outpouring of uh, support and sadness. And I think it really speaks to him as a player that um, as much as he had his troubles, he was a, he was a good person. You know, he, the things he, he got in trouble for, he wasn't necessarily um, bad, but maybe a little silly or stupid and immature, but all the Pittsburgh Steelers teammates had said how much they, they impacted him and how much they were looking forward for him getting a chance to, you know, compete again and, I think he was definitely a young man with getting his life back on track, uh, newly married and things like that as well. And um, just a, a, a terrible, um, tragic uh, accident for someone. And look, there were there's a couple of reporters that came out and said some very insensitive things that were very quickly shouted down by the collective NFL community. And, you know, hopefully they, they learn from that or they, they don't open their mouths again. Um, and... Yeah, a very, very um, sad turn of events for someone from a fan perspective. Not only was I excited to see what he could do on the field, but his 
off the field attitude since he'd been part of the Steelers was impeccable. Everyone, he, you know, he was learning as much as he could. He'd been um, doing charitable things around the area and being a valued member of the community. Uh, and, and it's really sad. It's really, really sad because um, he was going to have a genuine chance to compete for that job. And I think that was really driving him to, to be better. And I think it's really unfortunate for him and for his family that he didn't get to realize that opportunity, but um, he did, he did take the chance for that opportunity and was improving himself. And um, I think he would have been very proud of where he was compared of where he got to compared to where he was. And it's just, it's sad. We won't continue to see him grow. hundred percent. hundred percent. Very sad day in the NFL. That was, I love mm. the video, the video of him as a little kid at Ohio State. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And he yeah. walks in as well, a, a little, maybe seven, eight year old. And he, I'm going to go to college here. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, that's very cool. Um, on to the NFL offseason. It hasn't been a big week for transactions or anything like that. A couple of no. big ones of the transactions. Stefan Diggs got a big payday um, up with the wide yeah. receiver of his market. I don't think there's any problem with that. I think it's a good signing from Buffalo. He's been playing his heart out. He helps him when he's on the field and playing well. Uh, and then Honey Badger mm. is officially leaving the Chiefs, um, which will be at a detriment to your brother's team, yeah. which is fantastic for everyone else in the league. Doesn't really matter too much. Hasn't signed anywhere yet. Yeah. Has checked in with the Saints and a couple other teams, I believe. And then the interesting, the one kind of storyline I think is probably the most to keep your eye on other than the NFL draft that is coming up is Baker Mayfield. Now, mm. there's not a lot of arguments of, you know, can Baker Mayfield play quarterback? He can play quarterback. How good he is is really the question. Um, do we think yeah. he's better than Sam Darnold? I think he'd probably be a little... I'd still put him above Sam Darnold, you know? I'm above that level. Yes. He's a good starter, but we ha- we're yet to see him be great. And now, was it because of the environment? <coughs> he's obviously very angry with yeah. what the Browns have decided to do with the Deshaun Watson and everything like that. There's been talk about Seattle, this and that. I want to hear mm. from our Mr. NFL man himself what your thoughts are on the Baker Mayfield situation and where, where maybe you think he might end up if you could put your crystal ball on. Yeah, so, look, I think Baker Mayfield is sort of middle of the middle of the pack. Um, a few years ago, and the folks from my NFL group chat will, will know this because they brought it up before, there was a thing called the Andy Dalton line where Andy Dalton was the <laughs> midpoint of quarterbacks and if you're above him, you're a good quarterback. If you're below him, you're a bad quarterback. I think it's now the Baker Mayfield line. Uh, I think he's pretty middle ground. Um, I think he's, I think he's copped some stuff unfairly, maybe. But yeah, I think he's copped some stuff unfairly that's amplified his issues. But I think he still does have issues. Um, he'll get a chance somewhere because he's too talented not to. I think it's just a question of whether the Browns will release him or whether they'll get some trade value from him. This close to the draft, it'll be hard to say. It would be incredible to see actually a draft day trade with um, Baker Mayfield involved. I think that would be probably pretty shocking, though. I think it'll happen either a trade before the draft or a release after the draft kind of thing. Uh yeah, crystal I, ball. I just crystal ball. You know, the crystal ball. So, you look into it. What do you, where do you see him going? So, if we look at teams that need a quarterback at the moment, uh, the Colts have now got Matty Ryan, yep. 
the Falcons have now got Mariota, but I think the Falcons could still potentially be a landing spot and it could be a competition between those two, mm-hmm. right? Um, Detroit Lions, they seem yeah. to have a lot of faith in Jared Goff. Houston Texans, they seem to like Davis Mills. Uh, the Jets are sticking uh, with... Uh, yeah, I was about to... I was trying to, Couldn't even remember his name. That's how... <laughs> I you were uh, about to say Joe Flecker. <laughs> I was going to be just... I was going to say alt-right Sam Darnold, actually, which is, which is a nickname I've heard banded about about him. Uh, the Giants, they still seem to have faith in Daniel Jones, but he could potentially compete there. Yeah, the Panthers are, are an option for him. Uh, the Seahawks are an option for Seahawks him. Seahawks are by far uh, the biggest option, just thinking now, like you just said, put into this. Yeah. Most of those teams yeah. are willing to give those young quarterbacks another shot. Davis Mills, classic one of the Texans, yeah. they seem keen to have him. That's that's the issue here, I guess. Yeah. The biggest issue is there isn't much of a market right now for Baker Mayfield yeah. just because of everything that's going on. Exactly. Yeah, and look, this, the Steelers, prior to signing Mitch Trubisky, could have been in the mix, but I don't think so. Even if they didn't have Trubisky, I would have. I would think they would be pretty iffy about Mayfield because I think they've exposed him enough times. They know what they would be getting there, yeah. and they'd be more likely to draft someone. So yeah, that's the thing. I don't know that there's that many starting opportunities out there for Baker, which would be what he would be looking for. So yeah, it's it's tough for him at the moment because there's there's quite a bit, of, quite a number of quarterbacks out out there in the league that. Um, are good enough to hold on to their jobs. So he might be looking at a, at a backup role somewhere. Yeah, interesting. very interesting. And we'll, we'll keep you all up to date with the <laughs> NFL draft and off-season special where we get some graphics and stuff um, made up in the little video on our YouTube channel. But moving on from the NFL hmm. into the Formula One in Australia, which was just a fantastic event. We just had uh, over 400,000 people turning up for the whole events. Did you get a manage to watch any of it, Husey? No, I did not, unfortunately. Out, mate, it was probably one of the better events you'll ever see, even just in general. I think yeah. it was so awesome to see fans back and such a big, like, I know fans have been back around for sporting events and stuff, but to see the amount of people there and just clearly enjoying it, the sun was shining, Danny Rick didn't go too bad, it was a good race with some ups and downs. I think it's, it's fantastic, again, just to see sport back in Australia. Slowly coming back in New Zealand, still lots of talk about crowds and stuff, but... I thought that was just a... Did Verstappen have an issue or something? He did. I feel like he I heard out, that he had an issue. Yeah, he didn't quite make it to the finish line, which is always good since yeah. I uh, have some Dutch mates I can always text to say shame. Um, but yes, Leclerc, Leclerc won it. Um, Chico, the other Red Bull driver, second. And George Russell from Mercedes, fourth with Hamilton, third with Hamilton, fourth. It was about yeah. your lineup, and then you go through the McLarens and so on. So it was a good day out. I think Danny Rick will be happy with the improvements they're making for McLaren for as, the, as the only uh, Aussie slash New Zealand driver on the grid at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it was just as an event, event-wise, it was a fantastic event. Just seeing some of the images, seeing the video of it, seeing the amount of people walking down. Um, the uh, end in lane and stuff like that, um, pit lane and everything and like that it was very cool to see. Um, but that that was that was about. It. I just wanted to touch base about how how cool mm. it is to see events back in Australia and stuff. And I think what what's kind of the next big one I, I put it into our calendar is probably going to be those quarterfinals maybe with Super Rugby and then to State of Origin. Um, yeah, we'll see a big full stadium. Um, hopefully get some tickets and go and watch that. Um, but That'd yes, anything else you want to talk about, Husey, on the old? sporting world i don't think there's much else around a couple of big results in the champions league we've got liverpool man city 
Villarreal and Real Madrid in the semi-finals. Um, other than that, I know your Matildas just bet our White Ferns, which is the female football. Mm. But that's about it. Yeah, no, nothing that I can I can think mm-hmm. of. I think the the draft's getting closer. I've got a countdown on my phone. It's just over two weeks away. I so think. Let me see. When, yeah. when is the draft? It's like the yeah. So f- exactly two weeks from uh, today. Two weeks today. Uh, will be the uh, I think. Uh, will be the opening draft day. Uh, yeah, look, a lot that can still happen between now and then. Um, yeah, no, not much else in, in, in the spawning world. Uh, I mean, I'm getting excited for international rugby uh, to come back. The Australia versus England series, I think, will be incredible. Be so looking forward to that. Yeah, no, 100%. All righty, team. Uh, we will leave you at that for today. We will be back on Monday with another potty, back to our Monday schedule, and then a couple more videos. Watch out for those throughout the week on our YouTube channel. Jump on there if you have not been on there before to watch mm-hmm. our pretty faces speak. Other than that, thank you for joining us for podcast number 16. See you later.